It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Welcome to a bonus episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport, the home of cycling. Brad, Famous episode, state of the race so far. It's a good point to stop, think back on what we've seen in the past nine stages. And we've got Pippi York with us to do it. Hello. And Pippi, you've actually finished the bottom of that climb, haven't you? What is now yesterday's stage nine? Yeah, in 87, we did it to um, the bottom of the climb, just where they turned the dodgy corner and started the steep bit. That was the finish in the Renault-Argentine one. But it was the same kind of horrible weather. It was, it was um, raining really heavy. But um, we didn't do the rest of the climb after that. But um, just to get there, it was mostly kind of long, false flat. Not that it was, I didn't find it that hard, but then I was the best climber in the race, so I wouldn't have found it that hard. But there was a lot going on that year, wasn't there, with the Stephen Roach and Vincentini? And- it was the famous Roach-Vincentini year, which I got to see um, live as it happened. Was it as bad as they portray it, or worse? Some days it was pretty rough with people, you know, shouting and spitting and throwing stuff. Um, there's a bit of animosity from the Italians toward Roshnan again. When you watched that stage yesterday, do you, what did you make of it? I thought it kind of developed in the, that nobody wanted to commit because they were all trying to stay warm. You know, so it, it came down to, though, we're waiting to the last climb and then um, we'll see what happens. And then when it's like that, quite often nothing happens because everybody's waiting for something, somebody else to commit to an attack. Mm. And the GC guys, you know, they all kind of just looked at each other and went, well, I'm not going to attack because it's not worth it for the stage. And then nothing happened and it came down to, you know, there'd be little gaps at the end for the sprint, you know, no. so somebody attacks at 500 metres and they take 5, 10 seconds and the other guys, but it, it wasn't, it wasn't the influential stage that it could have been probably because of the weather. Sometimes you see riders giving it a little bit of extra gas before the rest day because they know they've got an extra day to recover. I think the weather, you know, put a dampener on it, you know, they probably caught. colder than it looked. Mm. A lot of riders were struggling to keep warm. I know when we went there and it was raining, it was cold. At even, you know, even though you were going uphill and it, it, you're quite yeah. high up already, so it was it was cold. And it's October, isn't it? I mean, there's many places in the mountains that ski season's next month, mm. isn't it? Yeah, fast approaching. Well, Ruben Guerrero for EF Pro Cycling took the stage. Zhao Almeida, um, to kind of quick step, retains the pink jersey. Uh, Pippa, you were saying he would be happiest going into the rest day, today's rest day. He's definitely the happiest he's race leader. Yeah. What's he, he's got nothing to be unhappy about in, in his Giro at all. You know, he's, every day that he rides in the pink jersey is a bonus for um, de Koenig. So, and, it, and it, it's that same thing we've been seeing the, the, when the race is restarted in August. There's a young generation coming through. So he, and he's not part of that. So everybody knows who he is. So um, he'll get his chance in, in next year when he goes to a few of the kind of lesser races. He, he'll be team leader. And um Good on him. He, you know, he's earned that. He's earned that privilege. Can he hang on to it till the finish, Brad? So he's got two time trials, remember as well. Yeah, which are going to help him compared to. The I mean, other I, I think no. I, yeah, I mean, we've had this, haven't we, with Alaphilippe in the past? So I'm very cautious to say he can't. He wasn't far behind Nibali today, so you would say he's on the same level as Nibali. Um, but I think Jakob Fulsang is poised now, but that's not going to be that easy to go over Kelderman, who's 
you know, finished fourth in this race in the past. Yeah, he's, so he's 30 seconds off Almeida, second on GC. And he's not someone we've mentioned so far, is he? No, and, and given the seasons, well, given the Tour de France that Sunweb had, uh, is he someone we should be taking more seriously? Oh, absolutely. He's finished fourth. He can go the distance. Definitely. You know, the Sunweb are riding an intelligent race. They're not trying to control the whole peloton. They're only doing enough to keep their riders safe or, you know, manage any escape so you know they're doing what they did at Tour de France they were appearing at the right moment with the right tactics mm. Nibali 57 seconds down on GC full saying Brad as you mentioned just behind him uh, one minute and one second he gained 14 seconds on Nibali uh, yesterday uh, I have to say sorry just on Kelderman yeah I only have an interest in him more because he finished fourth in the Giro and then finished third in the Tour of Swiss straight after in 2014, I think it was. Um, and Matt White contacted me. And when I was coming to the end of my Sky contract, they were going to sign him as their leader. He was still in negotiations. He didn't end up going there. I think I don't know where he went after that. Um, and they wanted me to come there and mentor him over the next few years as a GC rider. Now, he's had a quite few quiet years since then. Um, I always think what might have been, you know, I always think I might have still been racing at 40, like Valverde and those guys, you know. Um, it's funny when his name comes up I always think of that you know what my, and he wanted me to come there and yeah you know it was part of the deal if, if, you, if you come here Brad might come here and we've never actually spoken to each other which is a funny thing yeah so I just had to raise that I was I'd drop him a line too late now isn't it <laughs> 25 kilos heavier what advice would you give to him late. now so you say you were you were in a position to, no, where I you mean, might look, have been a mentor now it's different now, now it's different isn't it I mean you know he, he showed talent young, at a young age he was a Dutch talent and we see where that's happened now with Jumbo Visma and Tom Dumoulin and the like, Kreisvik. Um, he's kind of missed the boat on that generation, really. But he's in a good team now. They've really elevated themselves. And um, if he, he could win this Giro. Mm. Stephen Kreisvik is at 1 minute 24 seconds on GC. He lost a bit of time today. Yeah, I think he's still fighting, a, fighting that battle of coming back from injury, isn't he? So from, yeah, from, uh, but if this race goes the distance, you know, we've got two weeks left. This thing isn't done. You can ride yourself into a form in a, in a three-week tour. A man who, and it's surprising what you can do physically. I mean, look at Chris Froome a few years ago. Yeah. Let's not forget. Yeah, came, came, from, came from nowhere. On that, Teo Gagan Hart at 2 minutes 41 seconds on GC. Pippa, he could still be a factor? Everybody's still a factor. You know, there's what? Two minutes between um, Kelderman and the guys. Two minutes down. is not a lot, is it? It's two minutes isn't a lot. And... Um, you know, I don't think that, um, yesterday's race can be that much of a indication of what's going to happen because quite often when you're riding GC and you come to a finish where you're going to have to have a bit of explosion for the for the the last part for the sprint, it's sometimes not worth doing it because you're going to hurt yourself so much that you're not going to recover so well for the next for the next few days. And if you're cold, there's even less kind of. Um, there's a reluctance to, to hurt yourself that much when you're cold because you can damage ligaments and stuff like that. So you, you tend not to do it. And if the guys accelerate, they'll take five, 10 seconds. But that's not that influential when you come to high mountains. With a rest day tomorrow, what people that aren't really sort of well-known on the sport assume it's just a rest day. And I know it was, it was different for every rider. By the end of my career in the Tour de France, we, we did two and a half hours on the rest day on the bike. We did some efforts. We did some sprints. We got a good sweat and put lots of clothes on. Um, to keep in that routine. Um, and whereas when I was on coffee, this, some sprints like Jimmy Casper would have the day off completely. And it does, it's different for every rider. But um, what was a rest day like for you? So I would ride, I'd probably ride an hour and a half. 
And if we were in the mountains, I'd, I'd do one mountain and, and I'd ride half of it at a decent speed. But if we weren't in the mountains, I'd still ride an hour and a half and I would do probably three 20-second sprints yeah. just to warm up, just to get that... To keep know, in that rhythm. Just to get that... Because it can disturb it, can't it? So just not to let your... There was a kind of feeling then that, you know, if you let your body go into recovery mode totally, yeah. that it would kind of start shutting down. So it, I would do three 20-second sprints, you know, flat out. You know, so I had fairly short gaps in between them so that I hurt myself, so that I'd remember Would you my, eat less? And I'd try to eat a bit less, yeah. Mange pas trop, hein? Yeah, don't... Haricot vert, hein? Don't, don't eat too much bread, that kind of stuff. But fromage blanc, ça bloque les gens. Hein? At least French says, mange pas trop. I've got to ask you about Simon Yates to move it on. Um, so he's obviously already out of the race. We've got the COVID tests coming back. Do we expect the race to get to Milan? Well, not because of the race itself, but there's been an increase in, in cases dramatically this week in Italy, which is quite worrying, isn't it, for the race? So the, the race organisers have said it will be a government decision they so as far as they're concerned they will do all they can yeah. for the race to continue so in other on. words it's out of their hands isn't it it might well be yeah. so so if it's like the tour de france that we had this speculation in the in the media um from the first day will we get you know is the gc going to be decided at the first rest day and that's going to be called there um and it never happened mm. and if we went to an area who's in the red zone they just asked the people not to come out and spectate. And so, okay, you've got some people who, you know, you still got spectators, but drastically less and drastically less at the finish. So they closed down almost all the um, access at the finishes. So there was, there was no 5,000 people which they were allowing for some days. And, and I imagine the Giro will be exactly the same. They want to see the race go to the end. I almost feel like it was forgotten about at the tour that last week. The, the speculation over whether or not it was yeah, finished, it I almost mean, became assumed because it got to a certain we point. We got to a point where we forgot it was in existence, wasn't it? Yeah. other than the masks. Yeah. But it just shows you how delicate it is, isn't it? We've lost Roubaix, potentially Flanders now, and Depan and all the Belgian but, Yeah, Flanders potentially Shell the Priest on, on Wednesday. You know, it makes you wonder whether we'll ever get out of it. All right, well, we'll keep our fingers crossed. That's it for this bonus episode of the Bradley Wiggins Show by Eurosport. Brad, thanks as ever. Thank you. And Pippa, thanks Thank again you. for joining us. Brad, we're all back on Wednesday. I'll see you then. Love you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.